All right. Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, welcome to the house. It's so good to have everybody here, our Faith Church family in Florence. Welcome. It's good to have you here. Can we show some love and welcome everybody in our Lawrenceburg Faith Church family, our Shoals family? It's good to have you guys in the house as well. To everybody else who's watching online, if you're a Faith Church family or just tuning in, we want to say welcome. We say it every week that we believe that Jesus, he's the hope of the world. So whoever you are, whatever you're going through, your issue, your hurt, your heartache, or your habit, we believe that if you open up your life to Jesus, it'll be the greatest decision you've ever made. Come on, how many people know that's true? Come on, show God some love. Well, how many of you in this room or one of our campuses are watching online, how many of you learned a painful lesson as a kid? learned a painful lesson as a kid. Now, I was raised in the go outside and play generation, the greatest generation ever. Some of you guys are, are, are younger than me and you don't even really know what that means, but the go outside and play generation was this generation that you couldn't stay inside. It wasn't really an option. Uh, you would get on your parents' nerves enough and they would tell you, go outside and play. And you didn't have to tell them where you were going. You would just be gone for five 10 hours a day, and then you knew, you knew when it was time to come in. How many people remember the time when the street lights are on? It's time to come in. Now, I'm just telling you, being part of that generation, the go outside and play generation, when you get three or four or five kids together that are kind of bored, really don't have an agenda, here's what we found is we were building some stuff in some non-OSHA-approved workshops. <laughs> And, uh, you know, you just go outside and here's what we found out is, man, we were building things, jumping things, climbing things, exploring things. And in all the things that we experienced as kids, here's ultimately what we found out is that we found out we could do some things we didn't think we could do. And probably more importantly, we found out there were some things we shouldn't do that we thought we could do. Right? And you know, you got busted lips and you got some stitches or a broken bone or a chipped tooth. And here's what we found out. We just know this is true. We don't really like to say this. This is uncomfortable. But in this context, pain is a great teacher. Everybody say that. Pain is a great teacher. We learned some of our best lessons as kids experiencing pain. Now, in the last several generations of parenting, um, and th this, I'm not throwing shade, I'm just telling you what lots of studies say, is that the previous two generations of parents specifically are overprotective of their kids. And in your effort to keep your kids from pain, you're actually setting them up for pain. And you trying to keep them from experiencing some of the pain I experienced, you're actually setting them up to fail. And I'll give you a couple illustrations. For example, when you are overprotective with your kids, all the parents in the house take notes, don't be mad at me, just hear me, that when you're overprotective of your kids, you set them up for physical pain. For example, there's something called the hygiene theory. The hygiene theory states that you can actually allow your kids to stay too clean. You don't want your kids in the ball pit because there's lots of germs in the ball pit. You don't want them going over there. You don't want them hanging out there. And in your effort to protect them from getting sick, actually, you're keeping their immune system from developing, which sets them up to get more sick as young adults and adults. Are you all tracking with me? Uh, there's another study that's been lots of studies done that, you know, why are, why are, and I'm not throwing shade, just hear me. I feel like I'm just putting myself out there. But we're setting our kids up for emotional pain. The reason there's a lot of young adults and adults that are still in their parents' basements at 26 years old is because we kept them overprotected. In my generation, we climbed on monkey bars that should have never been put on the ground, playground. We fell on asphalt, not four inches of rubber. We a helmet, goofballs wore helmets. Kids that got beat up wore helmets. <laughs> I'm just telling you, 
And so we wrap our kids in bubble wrap and they got to wear helmets just to walk to the bus stop. And in overprotecting them, what has happened is we've developed in them this emotional uh, adverse response to risk. And they're afraid to try anything because they've never experienced boundaries. And so pain, here's my goal. Here's what I want you to hear is that pain is an incredible teacher. And if you allow yourself to be in situations as a kid, you experience pain that teaches you things. And when you're overprotective as a parent and you keep your kids from your pain, you're act- from pain, you're actually setting them up for pain. Now, this is not a message on parenting. Where I'm going to go today, and I'm going to say some things that are hard, you might want to tune back in and listen to this message again, is that our Heavenly Father just operates in a totally different way. And what our Heavenly Father can stop in His power, He allows in His wisdom. Which means there's going to be things that God allows you to go through that you would think, I would never allow my kid to go through this, but our Heavenly Father has a wisdom to know that pain is a really great teacher. And so as we navigate into this conversation, I just want us just to, I want us to really lean in and pay attention. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the book of James chapter 1. Today, we're going to finish the series we've been in. Today is week, uh, week five. We've been in this series called The Exchange. I think this has been an incredible series for me. I hope it has been for you. We've been talking about the trade that God wants you and I to make in our spiritual journey, that you can trade lies for truth. You can get a real understanding of who you are and who God is, and it'll change your life forever, that you can exchange your doubts for faith, that you can exchange last week. We talked about you can exchange your your death for life. You can exchange grace for guilt. I mean, I think there are some exchanges and some trades that God wants all of us to make. And today, I want to finish this series talking about exchanging pain for purpose. Pain for purpose. And James, in James chapter 1, he takes us through a pretty hard conversation that I hope today will really help all of us. He says this right in the beginning, James chapter 1, verse 2. He says, dear brothers and sisters, everybody here read this. Come on, both of our campuses, watch this. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way. It doesn't say if troubles come. It says what? When troubles come. Newsflash, troubles come our way. It's just part of the world we live in. It's part of our human experience. Uh, Some of you in this room, uh, you've experienced this. You've already gone through some troubles. You've gone through some struggles. You've gone through some heartache. You've gone through some pain. Some of you are in the middle of it right now. You've lost a loved one. Maybe you were carrying a baby and you lost a baby and it's not your first baby, it's your second baby or your third baby that you miscarried and there's all kinds of pain and complications with that. Maybe you've gone through a divorce. Maybe you've lost a job. And so it's natural. We can all look at our lives and say that pain comes, troubles come. And so some of us have gone through it. Some of us are right in the middle of it. Like we're in the heat of troubles. We're in the, we're in the midst of troubles. Some of you, you're not in it. You like, you're in a great place of life and I'm not speaking ill your way. I'm not prophesying bad your way, but I'm just telling you at some point troubles are coming your way. How do I know that? Not because I say, but because God's word, James says, troubles come. Everybody say that troubles come. And the reason this is such an important conversation is for two reasons. One When troubles come your way, and again, some of you are already in them, some of it's headed your way, is that when troubles come, you need to make sure that you're ready as a Christ follower and as a person of faith of how to handle the troubles that come your way. Because if you're not prepared, it is likely to derail your faith and put you in a worse place rather than a better place. And what our Heavenly Father intended to allow pain to be something positive and beneficial in our life, it can hurt us if you're not ready. 
And probably more important, the reason this message is so vital, so critical, and I, I'm not sure, but I think I'm going to do a whole series on deconstructing our faith. If you don't know what deconstructing your faith is, it's a whole thing in a culture where people who were raised in church or in church for a long time started looking at things they were taught about their faith and basically breaking it down. And a lot of them are coming to the conclusion that their faith isn't real. and People are abandoning their relationship <clears throat> excuse me, with Jesus. And here's one of the reasons why it's this conversation we're having today. It's that they were raised in a church or they were told by TV preachers that if you love God enough, if you give enough, if you serve enough, that somehow you'll never experience troubles. And then when troubles come, they go back and look at what they were told and they, they come to the conclusion, well, God must not be real. God must not be in my life. God must not be for me. And they abandon faith. But the problem is they're abandoning a faith that's not biblical. God's word says, James taught, everybody say it, troubles come. And James isn't the only one who says this. We're going to find out that James not only says it, Peter says it, Paul says it, and our go-to, I think, always ought to be Jesus. Notice what Jesus said. Jesus said this in John chapter, let me give you this point right here. Salvation. So if you're wondering, salvation saves us from the penalty of sin, not the presence of struggles. So when you give your life to Jesus, when you come into a relationship with God through his son, Jesus, ultimately the first kind of experience is it saves us from the penalty of sin. Now you're righteous. Now when God sees you, he doesn't see your mess. He sees a child of God. He doesn't see your sin. He sees that you and I, we belong to him. Is anybody thankful for that? But just because it saves us from the present or the penalty of sin, it doesn't save us from the presence of struggles. We are still in a sin sick, fallen world. We are still existing in a world where we hurt each other, where accidents happen, where bad stuff happens. And loving Jesus does not exclude us from this world. And so lots of people say this in scripture. Here's what Jesus said. John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, here on earth, you will have many troubles and sorrows. Now, there's lots of things that Jesus says that I would like to sign up for. I want to sign up for the life and life more abundantly. Come on, anybody? I'm like, where do I go sign up for that? I don't see a line forming behind this one. But this promise is just as equal as the promise of life and life more abundantly. The same, the same Son of God, the same Messiah, the same Lord that we've committed our lives to follow, the same one who said he's come to give you life and life to the full is the same one who said you're going to have many trials and sorrows in life. And you can't have one without the other. In fact, I would go so far as to say this, that, that sometimes we're taught that if you're disobedient, that if you live life outside of God's boundaries, that that's when you experience pain. And I believe that's true. That if you decide to live life on your own terms and ignore what your creator created you to do and called you to do and the boundaries he's called us to live in, I think you set yourself up for unnecessary pain, pain without a purpose. However, what I think you'll find is true is Actually, some of, the, some of the most painful things you'll experience is sometimes when you choose to live a life of obedience. You know how I know that's true? Because look at all the pain Jesus experienced because he chose to do the will of the Father. Look at Paul. If you don't know the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, he took the gospel ultimately to anybody who is not Jewish. He's the one that got the ball rolling. Here we are 2,000 years later. All my non-Jewish people, where you at? Thank you, Paul. Thanks for taking the gospel to the, Jew, to the Gentiles. Yeah. 
It costs him lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of pain and struggles and heartache because he chose to obey God. Just for example, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, I was, he says, I was whipped 39 whips uh, five times. I was beaten by a rod three times. I was shipwrecked. I was robbed. I was starved. I was sleepless. He says, I went through all kinds of heartaches, not because I was doing wrong, but because I was doing right. My point is, let's say it together. One, two, three, troubles come. Say it. One, two, three, troubles, troubles come. So if you're in trouble, you're in the middle of trouble. The conversation is how do we navigate it well? It doesn't mean you're a bad person and it doesn't mean God is a bad God. Just troubles come. So what do we do? How do we respond? How do we make it through without deconstructing our faith? Well, notice James goes on and he says this. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, this is crazy. Watch what he says. Get ready. You ready? Consider it an opportunity for great joy. I consider a party an opportunity for great joy. I consider a vacation at the beach an opportunity for great joy. I don't consider bad news, the loss of a job, a divorce, heartache, the loss. Of, I don't consider that an opportunity for great joy. But what you need to know is if you're a Christ follower is God does things different than the way this world does things. And you got to gear up and the way you can experience life and life to the full is doing life the way God's called us to do it, which means when troubles come, not if troubles come, when they come, it's an opportunity for something great, which means don't just expect trouble, embrace trouble. Like, give me, give me some trouble. Nobody says that. Nobody signs up for that. But this is what James is teaching. Why? Why should we embrace trouble? We're going to get into some of this, but let me just tell you, in the same conversation where Jesus said that we're going to have many trials and sorrows in that very same chapter, in that same conversation, he just didn't promise troubles, but he promised the comfort of the Holy Spirit. There's lots of names that God has that helps us to understand his nature, his character, who he is, and what he's like. God the Father is not the only one who has several different titles and names. Jesus also does, and also the Holy Spirit does. One of the titles of the names of the Holy Spirit is he's the comforter. Everybody say the comforter. You know what comforters do? The comfort. You don't have to go to Bible college for that. That's for free. What do comforters do? You don't need comforted unless you're in discomfort. And so what I'm telling you is sometimes going through some of the hardest things in life, the reason there's a positive to it, the reason there is a purpose in pain is because you can experience the presence of God in a way that you can never experience when you're going through life and everything's good, your bills are paid, your marriage is great, your kids are obedient. Sometimes you can only experience God the way he intended us to experience in some of the difficult, most challenging places in life. In the Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, some of you guys know his, their story, they were three young Hebrews. Hebrew young adult kids that were being persecuted for their faith. You don't need to know the story. All you need to know is in the persecution for their faith, they got thrown into a fiery furnace. Some of you know this story. And God didn't rescue them from the fire, but he was with them in the fire because a fourth one showed up. It was the son of God who was with them and brought them out. They, would, they didn't experience that on the inside. They experienced the presence of God in the middle of the fire. Come on, I just want you to know something. In your hardest times, in your difficult seasons, in your divorce, in your loss, in your death, in your financial destruction, when you're going through something, when you got legal problems, when whatever it is you're going through, what I want you to know is that God wants to be there with you. He promised all of us the comfort of the Holy Spirit because listen, the world can't comfort me. Sometimes friends can't comfort me. Job shared the story. Some of the men who went through some of the most difficult things in life, he just discovered like nobody can comfort me, but there's one person who can comfort you, who can come, come alongside of you, who can be there for you, who can offer you the comfort that no one else can. And it is the Holy Spirit of God who promised to be with us. 
presence, presence in our pain. But here's where it gets good. James continues in this conversation about when troubles come, consider it an opportunity for great joy. He goes on, he says this, here's why, here's why God allows pain our way, struggles, trials. For you know that your faith is tested. You know that your faith is tested. Your endurance has a chance to grow. Peter has this same conversation and says some very similar things. I want you to notice what he says, one of the reasons that God allows pain to come our way. First Peter 1, 6 and 7, he says this, so be truly glad. Both these guys have lost their mind. Be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials, watch this, will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your faith, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it'll bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. What he's saying is this idea that, right, one of the reasons God allows us to go through some of the things that we don't want to go through, we wish we didn't have to go through, it's very difficult to go through when we go through, the reason God sometimes allows struggles to come your way sometimes he allows you to go through pain you wish you didn't have to go through is because God is testing your faith. And nobody, want, nobody here signs up for it. We don't like tests. But you know what a test does? A test reveals whether you're ready to go to the next level or not. What a test does is a test, it reveals your strength of knowledge. A test reveals your strength of ability. And what God's word is talking about is the kind of test that God allows us to go through is these tests reveal our strength of faith. Sometimes you think your faith is strong till you go through something. I'm just telling you, when you go through the first bumper nudge in life and you start wondering, is God there and does God love you? You do not have very strong faith. When you go through struggles and when you and I go through trials, when I face difficult times, what God wants us to do in the middle of that test is say, do I believe God is with me even though it doesn't look like he's with me? Do I believe that God is good even though it doesn't look like he's good? And do I believe that God is working all things together for my good even though it doesn't look like it? That's how you know whether you're passing the test is when the when the fire is on, when the heat of life is going down, when you're in a situation you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy, you can stand there and say, I know God is with me. I know God is good and I know he's going to work this together for my good. It's a test. It's a test. From the emergency broadcast system. Beep. Like nobody wants to hear that sound, but like every now and then, I'm just telling you when life is good, and we all know this, you don't need faith or you don't need much. When, listen, when you go to a good job every day and you bring home a good living and nobody you know or care about is sick and you've not lost any loved ones, every around, everything around you is good, all the grass is growing, you ain't got any weeds in your, in your landscape. When you got some fresh mulch, come on, somebody. How much faith does that take to believe God is good? Well, of course God's good. Look at my life. But can you believe God is good when there's weeds in the garden? Can you believe God is with you when you just lost your job and the bills are due and you don't have money in the bank? Can you believe God is good when the doctors just gave you the worst news of your life and you never thought you would ever hear that news? 
See, at the end of the day, we stand back and we look at what God says about who God is, God's word says about who God is, and what we've experienced in so many places of our life, and in the place of pain, and in the place of sorrow, and in the place of difficulty, and the place of challenge, we can still look in the test and say, I passed the test because God is with me, because God is good, and because God is working all things together for my good. Come on, are you ready to pass the test? Because that's why you're in it. And here's what you need to hear, watch is ultimately God gives purpose with pain. Now, this is so important. This is, a, this is an important theological distinction that we need to make today. Notice I did not say that God gives pain. God does not give pain. If you've heard me say that, you've misunderstood what I've said so far. God doesn't give pain. We give each other pain. We live in a sin-sick world that brings us pain. We live in storms and destructions and plane crashes and car accidents those give us pain. We have a real spiritual enemy that Jesus clearly said, he's a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to give you pain. But I want to be absolutely clear. Your heavenly father is a good God. He doesn't bring you pain, but I want you to hear it. He does sometimes, again, in his wisdom, allow pain. And there's a difference because what the enemy intends to use as a weapon to destroy you, God will use as a scalpel to sharpen you. Come on, somebody. That's the difference between the enemy and God. And so when we're going through these challenges and we're going through these difficulties, when we're navigating this, I'm just telling you, God wants you to be able to pass the test. I read kind of, a, kind of an interesting story. I wasn't even really sure if I was going to share it. But it, it, this, this woman, this just happened. I read it about two weeks ago. Uh, this woman had, she had two $20 bills and she decided she was going to buy some lottery tickets. And, you know, for, for you that buy lottery tickets, anyways... <laughs> You don't always have to go to the counter. She was going to buy some scratch-offs at this machine, and there's a machine. You put your money in, you push a button, there's all these different scratch-offs. And she had $40, and she decided she was going to buy eight $5 tickets, eight $5 scratch-off tickets. And she puts her money in, and she's getting ready to push the button to pick the one she wants, the $5 ticket, and someone goes by her and bumps her, and she pushes the wrong button. Did you all see this story? And she gets one $40 ticket instead of eight $5 tickets. And she's so mad, like, I, what, what's wrong with you? Like, man, you're just gonna bump into me and, not, and this person just walks on, doesn't apologize. And she is so mad that this person's bumped into her, didn't apologize, now she got the wrong ticket, she didn't get the one she wants. She goes out into her car and she's so mad, she throws the ticket down in her seat, she doesn't scratch it off, she's kind of fuming the whole way home, thinking like, how rude is this person? I can't believe this person bumped me out. She gets home, she pulls up her, finally she pulls out the ticket and scratches it off and won $10 million. How many people will take a bump for $10 million? <laughs> now, here, here's what I want you all to hear. It, that's clear. You can, I used to think back in the day when Mike Tyson was the premier boxer, I would let Mike Tyson punch me in the face for $10 million. I mean, I won't like it, but for $10 million, you can do anything to me for $10 million. I'm just, just so that's on record. Well, not anything. I might got some boundaries. He was like, hmm. But when I say this woman got bumped and somehow that worked out for her good that she wanted to, like, it's easy to see that and say, I will take a bump for $10 million. 
What I'm telling you is that's a news story. I'm telling you there is a God in heaven who is sovereign and 100% in control. He will never allow the devil to put more on you than he doesn't know is coming your way. And he will use it for your benefit if you'll let him. And while sometimes the bumps in life are more than just a shoulder bump, I'm just telling you the $10 million, Peter already said it, your faith is far more valuable than gold. If you'll allow it to be tested and reveal, do you really have the faith you say you have? And sometimes we will only know our faith is there and it's strong if we go through the testings and the trials and this in the heartache in the pain of life so that's why he said listen count it all joy it's an opportunity for you to learn some perseverance in your relationship that i can stand in the middle of a storm and know that god is good god is for me god is with me and god's working it together that's how i know so again god gives pain with a purpose he doesn't give the pain what he does is he gives the pain a purpose What he does is he gives the pain, say it, a purpose. One more time. What does God do? God gives pain a purpose. He gives a purpose in us. Again, one of the reasons he allows pain and discomfort and struggle our way is, again, it's doing something in us. It's building our character. Think about some of the things that you have gone through in life. Some of you are stronger mentally, physically, emotionally, and financially Not because of the good times you went through, but because of the hard times you went through. Some of you are better money managers, not because you have a lot of money, but because you went through a season where you didn't have any money at all. And now because you got a little bit of money, now you know how to manage it, not because of the good times, but because of the bad times. Some of you went through a divorce and you look back on a divorce and part of the divorce was your fault. You didn't manage that situation. It was painful to go through that divorce, but maybe now you're married again or you're ready to get married again because you've learned some stuff. Now you've learned how to treat a spouse. Now you've learned how to manage a marriage. Now you've, you're like, what? So that hard time has prepared you for the good time and you wouldn't be who you are and you wouldn't be prepared as you are currently had you not gone through the difficult season of life. And what God is saying is I don't bring pain, but I will give your pain a purpose if you'll let me. And we live in a world and we live, and I've been talking a lot about this uh, for the last several weeks. I've been talking about American Christianity. We have this brand of American Christianity that is not as biblical as it sounds. If you love God and if you sow your thousand dollar seed, miracles are coming your way and everything's going to be good. And you're going to wake up to unicorns and rainbows tomorrow. No trouble is going to come your way. No sickness is going to come your way. I'm just telling you, that is not what you read in scripture. That is not what Jesus said. That is not what Jesus went through. That is not what Paul went through. That is not what Peter went through. That is not what the New Testament church went through. God allows pain to come our way, but he gives it a purpose, not just in us, but through us. This is even probably even more important. Sometimes God will use the pain that you and I are going through that he allowed to come our way. He will use it not just for our benefit, but he'll use it for the benefit of other people. Two case in points. When you get to the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, some of you've been in church long enough, you know this. The four gospels are the life of Jesus from his birth to the life he lived, the miracles he worked, the things he taught, the things he accomplished. Ultimately, the pinnacle and the apex of his life was his death, burial, and resurrection. The gospels all end with the story of his death, burial, and resurrection. The book of Acts, the fifth book in the New Testament, is a history book. And what it does is it takes the last month of the life of Jesus and it segues into the next 40 years of the history of the New Testament church. How did this movement happen? How did we get where we are now, this global religion, this global following? It's because of what Jesus taught and more importantly, what Jesus did. This this 
faith is not built on the Bible. This faith is built on what Jesus did, that Jesus proclaimed his death. He prophesied his resurrection. And when he was put in a tomb, three days later, he walked out. And that became a movement. People preached everywhere they went, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Because he lived, we live. Because he died, we can be forgiven. And we know who he said he is. And we know he accomplished what he said. Why? Because the tomb's empty. Are you all tracking with me? Now watch this. Jesus knew this was an important message. So one of the last things he told his disciples in Matthew 28 was he said this, go into all the world and preach the gospel, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, baptize them then in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What he said was, don't keep this message for yourself. Other people need this good news too. Come on, does anybody know somebody needs some good news? He says, so take this message global. Matthew 28, when you get to Acts chapter one, verse eight, one of the last things that Jesus told his disciples before he ascended back to heaven was what? He said, I'm going to give you power that you can take this message into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. For all of you who are not current on your biblical geography, uh, Jerusalem was a city, Judea was a region, Samaria was the region down the road into the ends of the earth. What God was saying was, don't keep the message local. Take this good news. Take who I am. Take what I've done for the sins of all humanity and make sure everybody knows. Come on, y'all track with me. As a church, we got to be committed through kingdom builders and through sharing our own story with our friends. We got to make sure everybody knows the good news of Jesus. Well, the disciples are a lot like you and I. And they wasn't really comfortable. And they, this is the home I grew up. I'm not leaving my home. This is where all my friends are at. And so you know what God, you know the pain that God allowed? God didn't, God didn't send it. God didn't do it. But if you read early in the book of Acts, incredible persecution came to the church. People began killing Christians for this new message. And you know what that caused them to do? I'm going to get away from there. People are getting killed there. And God allowed and used the persecution of New Testament believers to drive them out of the cities they were comfortable staying in. And what they did was they took the message with them where they went. And what became global would have stayed local if they would have been comfortable. But God allowed some discomfort to come their way, but comforted them in their pain. And here we are 2,000 years later, and there are over three and a half billion Christian Christ followers on this planet because pain came. Let's talk about Jesus. Again, God gives pain a purpose. He doesn't just give it a purpose in us, but through us. I gave you the example of the New Testament church. Think about the pain that Jesus suffered. He suffered it because he was obedient to the Father, but his pain was to our benefit. Jesus suffered incredible pain. And I'm not thankful Jesus went through it, but I'm thankful he went through it. I hate that he had to go through the pain he went through, but I'm thankful he went through it because had he not gone through the pain he went through, you and I wouldn't be standing here today celebrating his goodness and standing as children of God because it was what he went through that gave us the status to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. Listen, we don't like pain, but it's got some benefit to it. God gives pain with a purpose. Come on. So here's the last thing I want to talk about. Again, this is a big subject. I could spend, we could spend weeks on this topic. But sometimes when you're going through it, and some of you are in it right now, some of you are in the middle of something and you're listening to me and it's, it's, you're just having a hard time lining it up because pastor, if you knew what I was going through, you're telling me God's involved in this pain I'm feeling and maybe it's even enraging you that somehow I'm connecting God to your pain. But until your faith is biblical, until your faith is founded on the right thing, you will continue to flounder in your pain. 
So I'm just giving you the reason. I'm giving you an opportunity to exchange your pain for purpose. You can't exchange pain for no pain, but you can exchange pain for purpose. And sometimes you're taking notes. The gap between your pain and God's purpose is often time. The gap. So how... So I'm telling you all of the reasons biblically, I'm giving you examples, but sometimes for you personally, the only way you're going to really see the God's in this, the gap between your pain and God's purpose is often time. What I mean by that is if you will give enough time to lapse, you're in the middle of the pain. You just, you just lost the baby. You just got the divorce. You just lost your career. You just flunked out of school. You just whatever, 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 whatever. You just went through the worst season of your life. You're in the middle of it. You're still suffering. It's hard to see that God's in that. What I'm telling you is if you'll give it enough time, you'll find out that God was in it all along. Look at all of the stories that we read that the New Testament says are examples of our faith. Look at all the things that Moses and Gideon and David, the nation of Israel, think about all the things they went through. Think about all the things that Joseph went through. Joseph, a young man who God had a plan for his life. And instead of him being elevated to this important place, he had a pretty long journey. His brothers hated him, was going to kill him, but they only threw him in a pit and sold him to slavery. While he was serving as a slave, he was falsely accused of rape and thrown into prison. While he was in prison, he should have got paroled early, but someone didn't keep a promise and he stayed there much longer. When you read his whole story and what appears only chapters for us is years for him. In the middle of, in the middle of being thrown in a, in a pit by his brothers, I imagine it was probably hard for him to say, God's here. But the Bible says this, and the Lord was with Joseph. And he gets sold into slavery. Where, God, where are you in that? I, you, my brothers, my family, who's supposed to love me and look out, they just sold me for a profit, and now I'm somebody's property? And the Lord was with Joseph. I don't think it looked like it. I don't think it probably felt like it. And then he gets falsely accused by the man he's working for. His wife has the hots for him. He doesn't reciprocate, so she, she falsely accused him of rape. And he gets thrown in prison. And the Lord was with Joseph. Do you think it feels like God's with you when you get falsely accused of something and you're in prison? Like none of, I'm just, none of us in this room, I don't imagine, can even begin to relate to that story. And you read pain after pain, struggle after struggle, heartache after heartache. This young man ultimately ends up where God told him he would get to. And he becomes the second most important person in all of the nation of Egypt. And God always intended, you read the end of his story, God always intended to put him there. He just didn't like the path that he took. But God used the path to put him in position to provide for the nation of Israel that would have otherwise starved. Because God doesn't give pain, but God gives pain a purpose. And God used that incredible, difficult, and it's easy for us to look back and say, look what happened. But you know what the distance is from the time he was a young kid until he's in position in Egypt? It's time. So what I want you to hear is the gap between your pain and God's purpose is often time. I heard a story. I don't know if it's true. I'll be honest. I read it. I'm, I don't know if this is a preacher's story, if this is just a story someone wrote. But the story was that there was a, a family in World War II, and this man, he got drafted to go overseas and fight for the Allied forces. 
And his young son was devastated that he was going to lose his dad. It wasn't uncommon. There was lots of dads in the neighborhood that were going off to war. But when he went off to war, he committed to pray for his dad every day that his dad would return home safe. And so every day he would wake up and that'd be the first thing he would do is he would pray and he would pray, dad, God, bring my dad home. God, keep my dad safe. And for weeks and months, that's what he prayed until one day there was a knock on his door. And his mom received the unfortunate news that his dad was killed in battle against the Germans in World War II. And this kid absolutely was devastated. He lost his faith. He got bitter at God. God, God, I've been praying. I've been asking. God, if you really love me, why would you take my dad? Why would you let my dad die? And he just lost his faith. He went through a fiery trial. And instead of his faith being tested and shown, it wasn't as strong as he thought. Like, man, just the, the bottom fell out on him. And he spent about the next 30 years just, I'm out on God. The way the story goes was he found out how his dad eventually really died. His dad wasn't really killed in battle the way he thought, but there was a German bomb factory that was inside Germany that was not only producing a heavy amount of armament and bombs that was being used to kill the Allied forces, but the word on the street was, the intel they had was that this factory was in the process of almost completing a pretty significant military implement that they thought would turn the tide for the Germans. And the Allied forces, the American forces, they knew there's no way we can't send, it's behind enemy lines, there's no way we can send armies in there to defeat this thing, what can we do? So someone came up with a plan, what we can do is we can send five saboteurs in, they can go in under the cover of night, we can't send 10,000 soldiers, but we can send five who will go in and plant explosives and destroy this factory. And what this guy didn't know, because up to that point, it was a top secret deal. Nobody knew about it, but it had finally been released that his dad was one of the volunteers and he knew that he would lose his life in this mission. But in sacrificing his life with the four other soldiers, they won the lives of thousands of others because the plant was destroyed, no more bombs was produced, and they also essentially won the war. The kid didn't know that when he was 10 years old praying. He thought God didn't answer a prayer. He didn't know it when he was 15 or 20 or 30 or 40. But unfortunately, he found out later in life that God didn't take my dad. My dad willingly laid down his life. And the gap between his pain and God's purpose was time. And what I just want to invite you all to do today is to somehow just put your hope in Jesus. I can't make time go faster. I can't help you understand ultimately the purpose that God is going to use your pain in. As your pastor, I just want to tell you, troubles come. And if you're not in some, I hate it, but troubles come. And when they come, God promised his presence. He promised he would send the comforter to be there with you in the middle of it. And not just be there with you, but to use it to strengthen your faith, to somehow when the next trial comes, you're going to stand stronger. When the next trial comes, you're going to be determined. You're going to know that God is there. And God's just not going to do something in you, but God is going to use the horrible things that sometimes you and I go through, even to the benefit of people around us. So while none of us want the pain, pain always has a purpose. While none of us wants to go through heartaches and trouble, pain's a great teacher. So I want you to know, you have a heavenly father that has the power to stop it, but he also has the wisdom, and sometimes he allows it. Here's what Paul says as we close 
He says, 2 Corinthians chapter four, he says, for our present troubles, let's read this together, all of our campuses, Lawrenceburg, Shoals, here in Florence, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. What he's saying is, it feels so much right now, it feels like that's all that defines my life, but he says, when you get perspective, when you see time, it's just, it, they're really small compared to eternity. What God will do for you and in you and through you compared to the pain, it's really small. And what feels like it's really a long time, it's really short compared to the eternity you're gonna be celebrating the God who loves you, who's for you, who's fighting in you, who promised to comfort you. He's saying in the moment, really what we need is perspective. And the perspective is not that you won't have pain, you're gonna have pain. I hate to say that as your pastor, but you're gonna have pain. What will you do when the pain comes? James says, rejoice. Peter said, be very glad. Why would I do that? Man, because God's testing your faith. Do you have the real faith that you say you have? Because sometimes the only way you'll find out is to go through something hard. And when you've gone through it, God will use it not just for you, but for others. So God is good. God is with you. And God is working all things together for your good. Father, I can't imagine the stories in this room and the heartache that people are feeling, families and individuals at all of our campuses and people watching online that have stories that would cause us to weep. And we would stand alongside of them and pray if we knew what everybody in these rooms were going through. But Lord, you know. And not only do you know, but God, you have in your wisdom have allowed some of the things we're going through. So Lord, I just pray today that we would take you at your word that we would trust that you are good, you are with us, and you're working them together somehow in your sovereignty, somehow in your grace. You're using it. So Father, I pray in Jesus' name, help us today to make an exchange of our pain for your purpose. Help us to let go of the hurt, the heartache, and the poison the enemy would want to use the pain to rob us of our faith. And Heavenly Father, you use it to establish our faith in you because you are good. You are with us and you are working all things together for good. In Jesus' name, amen.